This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 41, The Tsarachina Project. The Balkan Mountains, from which the Balkan Peninsula derives its name is a relatively young section of the Alp Himalayan mountain range that splits Bulgaria into northern and southern halves. This section of Bulgaria, protected as a UNESCO World Heritage Site since 2017, is home to some of the oldest growth forests in Europe. Remarkably dense in both flora and fauna, this region boasts a legendary mystique reserved for only the most profound displays of Earth's natural history. It is in the farthest edges of this mystique, in the western foothills of the Balkan Mountains, in a small village named Tsaricina, that we find ourselves. At the center of an event that would change the lives of countless Bulgarian military personnel and the fabric of Bulgarian history forever. The culmination and decimation of a two-year-long endeavor headed by the Bulgarian Ministry of Defense. So settle in, campers as we explore the dark and otherworldly events surrounding the Tsarachina Project. A pair of young soldiers are sent flying through the cavern, hazy with the acrid smoke of automatic weapon fire. A hush falls over the room just long enough to hear the disturbing report of their heads against the polished stone walls. There they lay motionless, propped against the boundaries of the claustrophobic space ahead and the space is filled again with gunfire as the soldiers spray round after round into the mist. It seems to create a shield around the entity, the monster, the thing buried in the wall. It becomes clear that the bullets aren't reaching their target, floating in mid-air about three feet from it, before falling weakly to the ground. A third man is sent flying through the cavern, his automatic fire following suit and sending several bullets into his ranks dropping two of his compatriots to the ground behind him. The sound of gunfire once again falling away, the screams of the wounded now fill the cavern, and the commanding officer has had enough. He begins to understand just how outmatched his men are. Bewildered and completely overwhelmed, he orders a full retreat. Retreat! As the men begin their movement through the bizarrely smooth stone corridors, Colonel Karnov orders the wounded to the front. Just a dozen meters down the hall, he pauses to place a hand on the smooth stone wall. In the moment of quiet, he feels a steady vibration on its surface. A growing vibration. Is something drawing near? The growing intensity of the vibration seems to match a slowly approaching green light along the spiraling passage behind them. The psychic is screaming. Oh God, I told you. 
I told you we should never have come here. I told you, oh god, oh god. He snaps back. If you want to die down here, I can arrange that. And orders two of his men to escort him to the front with the wounded, and two others to assume the role of the rear guard. They exchange an apprehensive look, and he wastes no time in reminding them of their sacred oath to protect the Bulgarian citizenry. And so they swallow their fear, and begin a slow and careful retreat toward the otherworldly glow behind them. Only moments later, the main party halts briefly at the sound of short and abruptly cut-off gunfire from the direction of the damned pair. Ignoring for the moment the cruel fate that he had sentenced the men to, the colonel chooses to focus on getting the rest of his men to safety. They push forward, and it isn't long before the cold winter air begins to rush around the group, giving them a second wind as they make their way out of the caverns and into the crisp morning air. Medic crews rushed toward the wounded as Colonel Karnov shouted for the excavators to begin filling the tunnel entrance. But every machine on site, including the pair of tanks guarding the entrance, had stopped working hours ago. Under his orders, demolition crews began dressing the entrance with explosive charges. The colonel watched as the psychic continued dressing him down for his ignorance. I told you. I told you to stay out. Baba Vanga told you. Why would you go there? Why? Instead of simply shooting him like he wanted to, the colonel called in a pair of orderlies to restrain and sedate the shocked supernatural. He was a problem to be sure, but a problem that could be handled later. For now, the only thing that mattered was keeping whatever the hell was in that hole away from his men and the rest of the world. He knew that a proper burial would not be possible for his fallen men. Urgency required that they be buried right along with the mystery that took them. And so they were. Sarichena is a tiny village northwest of the capital city of Sofia. A place unknown to most of the Bulgarian people, let alone the international population. That is, until December 6, 1990, when a sizable military contingent rolled into the village and took over a large tract of land. Under the codename Operation Sunray, they restricted access to the land under orders of Colonel Svetko Karnov and the Bulgarian Ministry of Defense. They announced publicly that the purpose of the operation was to locate a legendary buried treasure nearby. See, legend had it that the 10th century Bulgarian emperor, Samuel, had buried an enormous cache of gold before riding into battle with the Ottoman Empire. All signs pointed to this location for its burial site and it was now the responsibility of Colonel Karnov to locate it. Soon the site was secured. No one aside from military personnel and contractors were allowed access, and workers began digging a shaft toward what they believed would be the saving grace of a deeply indebted nation. It wasn't long before problems began. The heavy machinery and hydraulic excavation equipment proved useless, as malfunctions quickly became the rule rather than the exception. This left the men to do the work by hand, shovels and pickaxes. In addition, there was a serious risk of flooding from a known underground lake nearby. The work was slow. At about 20 feet down, they hit a heavy layer of stone. Hand tools would no longer suffice. Explosive charges were used to break through, and what was revealed mystified Colonel Karnov and his peers. A winding, smooth stone tunnel 
that appeared to spiral its way into the depths of the earth. While this was entirely unexpected, Colonel Karnov saw it as a sign that they were on the right track. He ordered a squadron of his best soldiers to begin exploring the tunnels immediately. Just moments after they embarked on their first mission, the camp above was beset by a plethora of strange phenomena. Foot soldiers from all over the camp began reporting sightings of curious figures skulking around the perimeter. Reports varied wildly, from seven to eight foot tall shadowy humanoid figures that lurked in the shadows just beyond the fences, to miniature mischief-eyed men, just a foot tall, scurrying around in the bushes near the bunkhouse. All radio and satellite communications joined the ever-growing list of malfunctioning electronics and machinery. This became a constant for the project. In fact, after the second day, not a single radio transmission was received to or from the camp for the duration of their stay in Sarichina. Soon a landline telephone would be installed, but the operators were plagued by bizarre whispers in the background of every call. The deeper the military explored down the spiral, the stranger things got on the surface. Soon the area was inundated by reports of UFOs, ghost lights, and unseasonably dense fog. While details of the UFO reports varied, they all shared one distinct feature. The images in the sky were always described as having a bright purple light surrounding them, and what appeared to be a trail of fire following it across the sky. On November 27, 1991, a well-known cobbler in the village named Trajko Kolev was walking home as he did every evening when he found himself suddenly spotlighted by a bright light from above. Terrified, he lost consciousness almost immediately. The next morning, he woke in Meshitsa, a village some 40 miles south of his home, without any memory of the intervening time. In June of 1992, Two years into the military's exploration of the tunnels below Tsarichina, a local named Ilka Kirova woke in the night to the sound of her dogs barking wildly. Alarmed by the sound coming from her normally docile hounds, she jumped from her bed and raced to the back door. She stepped out onto her back porch just in time to spot three dark figures making their way through her property from the military zone. She stood, curious as they made their way across her land and through the tree line to the east. She had simply been wondering what a group of soldiers was doing on her property when, moments later, a bright white light shot straight up from behind the same tree line, disappearing into the night sky. The next morning, Kirova reported the incident to Colonel Karnov. That afternoon, a team of investigating soldiers located a triangular patch of burnt ground directly below where she had saw the light. Ilka and the investigating soldiers' entanglement with the strange did not end there. For more than a week after the sighting, all five individuals reported feelings of debilitating exhaustion. This encounter happened days before the exploration of the subterranean corridors reached a milestone. They found their path blocked by a massive concave plate of polished stone. Too deep to safely use explosive charges, the men worked at double speed to break their way through with picks and shovels. After days of labor, they finally broke through and found themselves in a massive circular room. Its walls were made of mirror-polished stone. 
Straight across from their entry point was some sort of tableau. At its center were what appeared to be the skeletal remains of an enormous humanoid figure. It appeared to have almost been integrated into the stone itself. As Colonel Karnov made his way along the polished stone wall, he made special note of an odd feature. Under certain lights, when viewed from specific angles, odd rune-like symbols could be seen just below its surface. Exploration of the entire space proved impossible, as it appeared to be cut in half by some form of force field. Unfortunately, the lead soldiers discovered this the hard way. As they collided with the barrier, some form of energetic heat left them with third-degree burns on their faces and hands. It is unknown exactly what transpired between this initial encounter with the force field and the firefight that left 14 soldiers dead and buried in the tunnels below Tsarichina. But the military withdrew from the area immediately after cementing over the entire excavation site. All records of the operation were hidden or destroyed, but that did not stop those who experienced this battle with the bazaar from speaking out. Some estimate the cost of this 40N faux pas at over $20 million. In an interview in the mid-1990s, Colonel Karnov himself admitted that the search for Samuel's lost treasure was nothing more than a cover story. The truth is that the military had been guided by a group of remote viewers and psychics. They reported something powerful just below the surface, something that the Bulgarian intelligence would come to refer to as Object Number One. He described bizarre incidents where dozens of his men fell ill from contact with some unknown contagion, while others were unaffected. His men would vanish in front of their compatriots' eyes only to be found days later, their corpses partially fused with the stone walls of the corridor. In August of 2002, a group of researchers from the University of Sofia set up camp near the old excavation site. They planned to gather data about the region, levels of electromagnetic energy, radiation, temperature, and seismic activity, in an attempt to understand why their government had spent so much money investigating the area. Maybe they could even understand what they had been searching for. They spent 22 days gathering data in the field. They did not have to wait long for odd incidents to begin. Within the first week, they had recorded 12 sightings of UFOs and a poltergeist-like incident where several pieces of their equipment were picked up and thrown across the camp by an unseen force. None of this deterred them. They had heard the stories of this area and had come with no expectation of safety. What proved to be too much even for this hardy group of researchers happened on night 21 of their stay. While recording the activity of yet another UFO, they were alarmed to find it seemed to be moving closer to them. It soon became clear that whatever it was, it was aware of their observation. It dropped in low over the camp and projected a nearly solid beam of light down into their campfire. The researchers scattered back away from it as the fire began to roar out of control. Soon the fire had spread through the high grass and set three of their four tents ablaze. Retreating to their nearby vehicles, the group waited out the remainder of the night, cramped into their cars. In the morning, they found that much of their paper notes had been destroyed, but the bulk of their research was intact. 
They left the investigation at that and retreated to the relative safety of Sophia. So the question here is, what is this entity hiding below the foothills of the Balkan Mountains? What is the nature of this psychic link that it shared with the remote viewers and clairvoyants? And why would it instruct them to bring military personnel and engineers only to attack them? Is this some ancient being desperate for freedom from its subterranean confinement? Is it a buried alien craft? Is the vast circular space below Tsarichina some kind of interdimensional portal, where beings from parts unknown can occasionally step through into our reality? One thing is certain. This place holds power of some sort or another. Enough power to convince an already struggling Bulgarian government to spend upwards of $20 million exploring it. Maybe not money well spent. But it makes for a truly intriguing page in the history books. One titled, The Tsarachina Project. Welcome campers to Campfire, Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now, a quick ad break. Greetings, starseeds. It is I, the all-knowing alien, channeling this message for you. Our oracle deck lands. Kickstarter. 5-1-2022. Join us today at Celestial Alien Oracle Instagram. And now, the debrief. All right, let's get into it. Excellent. So this is, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm struggling to figure out what, what I want this to be and what I think it could be, because this caused a whole slew of just crazy things that, that happened. Yeah. Um, you know, so, uh, so first thing I want to get into is what is this thing that like they're fighting off in the beginning because it was never actually described. It was described basically as a monster and this being but it was never actually expanded upon right okay so colonel karnov he described basically the like source of the source of the force field right really what they were battling against mostly was this force field in this in this giant circular room Okay. And the way he described the room was super creepy. It's like really wide and circular, but it has a really low ceiling. Like, so he was like, it felt claustrophobic, but also it was like super wide field of vision, but not right high. There was a lot of um, space, but limited at the yeah. same time. But the ceiling like slowly sloped up as it went back. Okay. So almost like a like a giant sundial you know How okay it like, yeah yeah it yeah. gets bigger as it goes mm-hmm. back um but basically what he described as being what he assumed was the source of this force field um was 
a massive humanoid creature that was like fused to the wall in the center of this tableau. Like it was never like out running around, like eating people or anything. It was, but he said you could feel its presence. Okay. Cause yeah, that, that, that bears the question. Like why, why, you know, why, why were they there in the first place? Other than we know, like eventually, like they're looking for treasure basically. Yeah. Um, Well, that's the original cover story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you have, I'm trying to even find something to compare this to. Yeah. It's because it's hard. Yeah. Especially as you're saying, it's fused, you know, fused to the wall. And I know like that's, you know, that's how he kind of like promotes like this, like all some of his soldiers dying and things like that. Like this is now their burial grounds, this horror, like sort of thing. They're like bound to this area now, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like, is it what we would perceive like a normal kind of monster esque thing to be? Is it an oversized person or thing? Is it just literally a mass amount of energy that like is projecting like, uh, you know, just these yeah. kind of like this feeling to people? That's that's what that's what I'm struggling to really comprehend. Yeah, it's this one is definitely different. It's because there is no real creature, right? And right, exactly. is this is this um giant humanoid I mean he, literally the only physical description of it is that it appeared to be the skeletal remains of a giant humanoid creature fused to the back wall of this right. room. So are we dealing with an actual giant? Maybe. So, because that's something we've never discussed in this show. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also Shockingly. a really cool concept, right? Yeah. And, I mean, in history, there are a lot of giant-esque beings yeah. that have existed. A lot of reports. Exactly. Yeah. Right. A ton of reports of giants. So, you know, maybe this is some remnants of this civilization of something right exactly yeah and this is one that's basically just been stuck but i mean it's the skeletal remains so you know it's more it's not like this lively out out in the open sort of thing it's more so like maybe something rattled it to bring it to life maybe them being in the area is what caused it you know like so because there's a lot of you know specific things with them going into this area right yeah. And then there's also cover up that's also happening too. Yeah. So what I was thinking was what that made me think of was like what if their psychics and remote viewers stumbled upon something you know psychically. Yeah. And woke it up. Basically. Yeah. There we go. There we go. That yeah. that would at least like kind of you bring to light like at least some form of reasoning to have this thing, but I, I, I'm gonna stick with maybe it was a giant. Okay, because that's gonna be different. This is entirely yeah. different already. You it know, is. it's very, it very is. weird and like you know doesn't have a whole lot of like explanation behind it besides all the stuff that it caused. 
Yeah, and that's uh, that's the other thing we'll we'll kind of get into. But I'm still I'm still here at the beginning. So I mean, this area that we're in, you describe it as being like very like pristine and beautiful, and yeah, you know, um, yeah, basically just this area and was the Balkan Mountains. Yeah, and you said it was the like Alp, like the Alpine, like Himalayans or whatever. Oh yeah, right. Okay. Yep. It's um. Yeah, I mean it's this it's the second UNESCO World Heritage site that we've talked about. The first one was um, from uh, in Canada. Can I of, yeah, I can't think of the Oh, what was it? The Nahani Valley. There we go. That's the one. I for some reason yeah. I was drawing a blank. Good lord. All right. Cuz this yeah. is like this place has like um like old growth be- beech tree forests right. that are like thousands of years old yeah it's it's almost that untouched yeah untouched area like yeah we described there so i immediately have this 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 view this like you know i'm imagining like this very serene like you know beautiful area creating this i'll take that this scenery right yeah yeah i mean and this um tsarichina is like a a tiny village just on like the edge of that right at the edge of that unesco world heritage site like it's it's right there so the backdrop is that like gorgeous old growth forests and like mountainsides and And that's awesome it gives me very much like swiss mountain vibes like if you've seen i don't know if you've seen a lot of those warmer yeah beautiful like just this insane backdrop to like these tiny villages I, i love it i love it but yeah so, yeah. you know, painting a picture, painting a picture, you have all this going on, and then you have the this thing that they're going in to battle, essentially. And then it's it's like, well, you know, a lot of these people have died. Like, why why create this, you know, this, why pull them out and basically bury them somewhere else? Like, bury them basically where it's all happened, you know, like, you know, whatever else. I think... Okay, so there's a sort of cultural disconnect when you, whenever you talk about um, armies from yeah. particularly Eastern Bloc countries and um, and a lot of European nations, the way their militaries worked is very different from the way our militaries yeah. work. Where generals and leaders, colonels people in charge of groups have a lot more lateral movement available to them than in the U S military. The chain of command isn't nearly as strict. Right. So our military is far, far different than, yes, exactly. You have to get approval from like the 10 people above you in order to do anything. But with them, um, one of the things that made, you know, that made this region so hard to fight in wars is because their generals could, they could move a lot faster. They could make decisions in the moment instead of right. waiting for command to approve everything. Um, And that's shown in this because this guy gets down there and once he, like, he, all it takes is him realizing the danger of what's here. And he can make the call on his own bury this son of a bitch yeah like we're done it's over and that's what he does i have to say though there's something it's very poetic in the sense that 
Like like I was saying, more so like you know he this colonel is basically calling for like you know leave leave these people basically buried in this area where they are you know fighting for this thing versus yeah. going out you know pulling out the bodies and all this like before they close up this area. But I like I said to me it sounds kind of poetic. You're fighting you know it's it's like that honor thing like you know it's it's more it's more honorable to be like you're. You died doing what you're, you know, serving your purpose essentially. Right. Um, you know, fighting for your people or whatever else, like however you want to buried play. on the buried on the battlefield. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. I, I, you know, because I know, like, you know, in a lot of cases we've we've had we've had similar things happen, but we also normally try and pull like bodies back and, and bury them in, in you know specific areas. Yeah. But I think, like I said, I think it's more. It just seems more honorable. Kind of in that sense, yeah. and uh, the, like I said, I might not be describing it quite the best the way, but no, I, I think I understand what you're saying. There's, yeah, there's something like, I don't know, it definitely displays like the danger of the circumstances. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It, I mean, it kind of really sheds light on like they're there, they're risking their lives for this thing and fighting for this and fighting for their people and you know helping yeah. helping protect their people and everything. And you know, it's just it it kind of sends that message, I think, in, in more of like a almost like a romantic way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, so all right. So we get we get to this point, you know, they're very outnumbered, right? The men retreat. The colonel, he's basically feeling these vibrations. Like he's got his hand against the the wall or whatever it is, like he's feeling these vibrations. Yeah. And there's a green light. So this is kind of what I what I wanted to talk about. This is where I'm getting. Okay. So yes. he sees this green light. So can can we can we kind of retouch on that? Like what is he seeing in this the sense this is like towards the exit right as they're as they're leaving like yeah so okay so here's the thing it's the journey back was kind of compacted for storytelling's sake but this this tunnel they discover it initially when they get to 20 feet deep right that's what you said fairly fairly quickly they discover this tunnel and then they spend two years on the site exploring this downward spiral yeah Two years. So it's a ways down there. That's that's what I was gonna say. And and I didn't know, and I, I know I'm I'm cutting you off in your, your explanation there. Did they actually reach the bottom? Because I, mean, I, I couldn't quite understand if they actually did or not. Yeah. Technically Maybe I'm skipping at, ahead too, so No, it's okay. At around the two year mark they discover this the it basically reaches an end or what they initially think is an end right and it's when they break through that that's when they they find the circular room yeah yeah yep okay so and that's the room they're in when their fight goes down yes yes okay all right perfect um that's what i thought i just wanted i wanted to make for sure right as to the origin of the green light that's really hard to pen down because it is it is sort of the first time we see it like being like active, like something's moving toward them. Yeah. Right. Um, cause it's other than that, it's basically this just chaotic attempt to break through this 
this barrier that's right. like reacting to them right like as they attempt to break through this force field that splits the circular room in half it's it's almost like it's reflecting their energy back at them and that's what's like sending men thrown across the room and yeah but the green light he can feel it and see it coming toward them see that was the thing right pursuing so, them i had some ideas on this and i that's why that's why i was curious okay because i know after all this happens this like you know they after they break into this area you know they start to develop they start to get into this like kind of downward spiral area they start to yeah. experience a lot of strange activity whether it be yes. alien you know aliens ufos stuff like that so like my kind of take on it was like this was a precursor to that. You know, this this energy, this uh almost extraterrestrial energy in okay. a sense that is exposing itself at that point. You know, and maybe is lie yeah. dormant until like they break this barrier and then start to work their way downward. Well see the thing is cuz there are two there are two barriers okay so they dig 20 feet down and they come against the first like stone barrier where they have to blast it open and that gives them access to the spiraling corridor right right and when they initially break through that that's when all the weird shit starts happening topside that's true. Okay. So that stuff was going on for like two years. Right. That would that had already been going on at this point. Yeah. Okay. So maybe I want to go in the direction of more portal based. Yeah. Just out of curiosity. Some sort of interdimensional portal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like and that being like maybe maybe it's even short like short term that this is open. And sure. they're like going towards this this green this green light, right? And this is something yeah. that's opened for a short period of time. And then because yeah, because and I and I didn't even, you know, kind of kind of looking back and, and now talking about it, is I didn't consider it being kind of after the fact. Yeah. You know, because I, I was kind of I was I was stuck on this like thinking like, oh, this is happening during this, maybe this is you know that precursor, but no, this is right after the fact. Yeah. So maybe maybe it is some interdimensional portal, some rift. Yeah, it could be. You know, some rift in, you know, in between worlds essentially. Yeah. Maybe this um green light that's following them up is some, you know, ultra terrestrial entity that's come through the portal. Maybe the portal opened in reaction to their like aggressive attempt to breach it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, see, there's a thing because, you know, everyone always wants to call places like this country's Area 51 or, of course, you know what I mean? That's, and that's a lot of the people we've talked about and yeah. mocked so many times. Yeah. Like, get your own references. Um, <laughs> but like this, a lot of the people who fall on the UFO side of this, on the alien side of this, refer to this place as, you know, Bulgaria's Area 51. But, like, honestly, what it feels like more to me is, like, 
Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. Yes. Like yes, because there is such a weird and wide range of things happening in this so, location. There's so many rifts and things like that, yep. and like the skin, especially in the mountains in the 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 plateau or whatever it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of areas, especially there's that one that goes deep in down, and it's like it, they haven't been able to successfully reach the bottom of it. Yeah. Um. You know. So. In the, I believe it's called the Uinta Basin. I believe so. Right? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Something like that. Um, for sure. But it definitely reminds me that because we're talking like people are seeing shadow entities. Right. They're seeing exactly. UFOs. They're having like poltergeist like encounters. They're all kinds of. I mean, that sounds like Skinwalker Ranch to me. All that stuff added together. Yeah, maybe one of these like stone spirals exists somewhere below Skinwalker Ranch. Right, and you maybe, know what I mean. And you know, there's. It, it, I I don't want to like stray too far from this and get like into like really like theorizing into just. So <laughs> what I think, you know, like maybe as they're working their way down, they they. There is a barrier, but there's also like these ancient, essentially tablets, maybe built into these like you know structures and stuff like that. Sure. And this tablet's broken, releases all this energy, like you know that goes out, and then so maybe there was this ancient civilization. And I always, I always, I know I always point towards titans and things like that, you know, sure. just because I love the concept of it, and I love yeah. this uh, this concept of time travel. And this, uh, this, uh, you know, them being basically timekeepers, and this is okay. this is something I've I've dove deep into, specifically the timekeepers is kind of like a concept that I've been you know kind of working on. Yeah, I, I mean, I like the idea of this being some remnant of an ancient civilization. Exactly that, right? and that's yeah. that's that's what it screams to me for sure. Yeah. And just like we talked about, this ancient giant. Yeah. Like, so not only that, I mean, this is buried so far beneath this area. And so, like, yeah, we have these maybe relics, tablets, whatever we want to call them, you know, that are that are being broken, that are like recreating this energy that's filling this area. Um, yeah. See, another big I think the most important connection between this or similarity between this and Skinwalker Ranch is the wild shit started happening as soon as they started digging, which is very reminiscent of Skinwalker Ranch. Exactly. Anytime they're right. doing anything to the area is when it stirs yeah. up the activity. Right. When they start exactly. messing with the yep. land. And that's yeah. that's that whole thing. And that's why they like absolutely refuse to unless it's completely warranted, like it's it's necessary, yeah. right? They're afraid yep. to. You know, they're afraid to disturb yeah. the land because of the amount of things it's caused, the amount of people that it's hurt or, you know, that have gotten yeah. gotten hurt as a result of it and things like that. And I'm sure if you asked Colonel Karnov if he would like to go, you know, dig a six foot hole uh, around this place, he'd probably he'd probably <laughs> pass on that. Right. Exactly. Yeah, probably. OK, so here are some I have some notes on some stuff that happened after. Okay, I would. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. OK, so. 
There was um, one of the remote viewers that worked on the project. Her name was Ellie Loganova. She um, she spent years after the project trying to get people to go back. Um, she believes that the entity below Tsarachina was an ancient ancestor of humanity and that it had been trying to draw people to free it for thousands of years. Ancient yeah. Ancestor yeah, exactly. of humanity. Giants. Yes. Yeah. But out of curiosity, so this is after they had closed the hole, right? They had they had basically yes. bombed bombed it essentially. Yeah. And closed it and up. And then they right. cemented over. Yeah, so that would really take some <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That would take some effort, that's for sure. Okay. So she has some other some other details that she and this is like, she she claims to still have like a a psychic link with the entity. So she believes that Hitler invaded Russia during World War II in order to find this entity. That like, that's the reason, and maybe even the reason, the real reason why he started World War II in the first place was to have an excuse to find this entity, right? Oh man, I I just want to say now we're getting into those World War II conspiracy theories. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. There are a ton of like Nazi Yeah. That's hilarious. All right. I I'm not I'm not yeah. dismissing it. I'm just saying that's hilarious that now we're tying yeah. that back in. Yeah. <laughs> it was okay, either he, you know, either he did this or he had like a bell-shaped time machine. It's one <laughs> or the other. <laughs> it can't be both. Okay. I'm gonna um, <laughs> with its purple purple goo that's gonna you know ink the world to stop time. Hey, and all of the UFOs that were seen here were seen with purple light around them. We just, oh man, we just, <laughs> damn it! I think we've just mixed this in with Kexburg now, right? Maybe it was maybe it was Nazi time travelers they were seeing in the sky. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um she's described a few of the like visions. She says the the entity gives her visions of the future. Okay. Okay. So she's seen visions of spaceships that are powered by sunlight. Okay. She's also seen visions of soldiers using um like wearing clothing with like built-in force fields basically that like deflect bullets. So now we're talking about Spartans from Halo. Okay. Right. Exactly. And um, she saw all of this in like an environmental utopia. Basically, is how she saw the future. I like that. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah. She recorded these. She recorded these visions in four journals, and she said that they were confiscated by the Bulgarian military. Um. Yeah. So I don't know, like, she is. T- she talked a lot in the '90s. Like, did a ton of. Have we had any, like, any, you know, anything surface that have confirmed recent developments? Okay. No, nothing. Even like, even like, here's her journals. We have them, sort of thing. No. Okay. No, nothing like that. According to the Bulgarian military. All all records of this were were lost. 
right. more likely destroyed. Of but, course, yeah. You also have to understand the like historic context of this. This is 1990 is like a pivotal year in Bulgarian history because they left the Eastern Bloc, like uh, they left being part of the Soviet Union in 1989. One year before this right. started. So this is all and, fresh at yeah. that point. Yeah. Okay. This is like, this is actually the time between when they left the Soviet Union and when they had their first free election wow. in 1991. So they hadn't even had a free election yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is literally like kind of that cross point like that. Yeah. Literally their entire nation is in, is in, is within a liminal space. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And this. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay, so there's this fellow. He's a, something called a military professor, which is the way they always word it, but I did a little digging and asked some questions to some, you know, someone from that area. And professions are much more streamlined there. Okay. So, like, a military professor is probably someone who teaches at like a military academy just as it sounds okay. right right um but his name is delko naplanatov naplanatov yeah all these eastern european names are killing me this i know week, dude. yeah i i feel you man especially like russian names and stuff like that that yeah, i've yeah. struggled with in the past i understand yeah. they're tough they can okay be for so sure. He wrote extensively about the operation. His daughter, Marina, was one of the psychics, was another one of the psychics who was part of the operation. Okay. Um, before she left the, for the mission initially, she was contacted by Baba Vanga, mm-hmm. who, knowing nothing about the mission, warned her, quote, do not disturb the power below the surface. That was the message that she gave her. Now, and she didn't know that they were digging into no. this area either. She didn't even know that she was... What was know, going she on She wasn't at informed at all. Okay. Yeah. That's um, that's pretty legit. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, Baba Vanga, I don't know if you're familiar with her, but like she was a world-famous like mystic and clairvoyant. Okay. Also from Bulgaria. She did most of her stuff in the seventies and eighties. All right, yeah, I'm, I'm not, like, I'm not familiar with her. So, yeah, she got like, she was super famous in the seventies and eighties. And like, when she died in like ninety five or ninety six, there were like massive memorials held for her all over the world. Wow, like she was sort of like the kind of a big sort deal. of like the yeah, for real. She was <laughs> like. um she was sort of like the 4TN equivalent to like a Mother Teresa yeah. type character. But like Baba Vanga was like born blind. Mm-hmm. She was blind. And she kind of is that archetype used for like the seer. Okay. Yeah. Right. Where they're like, they always have like the the cloth over their eyes and and all that. Right. That's basically based on her. Um. I think, like, she probably deserves an episode all her own, because she has, like, there are some crazy stories about stuff that she did. Cool. Yeah. Like, tons of predictions and, like, super interesting encounters that she had. But, yeah. That would that would be neat. Obviously, yeah. in this, I mean, this being such a significant, even, you know, significant case in its own, right? Like, yeah. 
I mean, I, I could imagine. Okay. So basically she had reached out to Marina Naplanatov, who mm-hmm. is one of the psychics. Right. And told her, do not disturb the power below the surface. Like, so Marina worked directly with Colonel Karnov a lot. Like she would visit the tunnels with him on like a weekly basis. She was like right there with him. Yeah. And her dad said that after she came back, she was never the same. She actually ended up sadly committing suicide like less than a year after. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like she was very affected by what went on. So that's, yeah, that's super sad. That is, that is she really was like, sad for sure. She was like in her 30s, I think. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I hate to hear that. And I mean, obviously, this is such a traumatizing event, you know? And yeah. it just kind of, kind of pulling off of what you're saying before her, her reference or her like, uh, her warning, you know? Basically, like, heeding that warning, basically, like, you know, don't disturb, yeah. you know, what's below that, that whole thing. Having no yeah. reference to what was going on or what they were doing or what the intentions were or anything. Yeah. And this was, forgive me, or forgive me if I'm wrong. This is called, what was it? Operation Sunray? Yes. Uh, I'm trying, I know I had it in my notes somewhere and I'm trying to look for it, but I believe, yeah, it was Operation Sunray. Right, the the whole thing of uncovering this this area. Yep. Okay. And so, when yeah, did Operation they? Sunray. When did they bring her on? Like, what brought that about? Do we know? Um, Marina. She was. I mean, she was working on it before they even got to the the location. Before they even so, got okay. Yeah, because that. Um, the cover story was that they were looking for this lost treasure, right? But mm-hmm. in actuality, they had been training the the Bulgarian military had been training um, remote viewers and psychics and using them strategically, basically for intelligence, right? The same yeah. way that, like, you know, that we did with like MK Ultra and worked on stuff I mean, like we that. We still do with clairvoyance the, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that sure. to help with like murder cases. And it's still a thing yeah, that yeah. goes on to this day, right? For sure. Yeah. So she was part of that group. Right. Okay. She had like, her father describes how she had like latent psychic abilities all her life. And then after she went with them, they were enhanced like radically. Yeah. I, I could imagine um, that amount of, energy and that you know and I, I know I keep referring back to energy but the that that's it's building yeah. out of this area as we've yeah. obviously seen from all the stuff that happened afterwards and happened as they were trying to gain access to it like yeah and I would imagine like being like a fledgling psychic or remote viewer like locking up with this like I like to think of it as this like l- this ancient you know, psychic strength linking up with that when you're still like relatively new to it, I imagine could like blow some shit open. Yeah. It almost bolster, you know, know, any, any type of ability and things like that. I would think. Yeah. See in that, in that 10 months or so after she came back before she committed suicide, she had a story very similar to the first girl that we were talking about where she, 
She said that like her connection with the entity was ongoing. Was that the that one it was like, where we were talking about Baba Vanga? No. Um, yeah, yeah. The one okay. who was warned yeah. by Baba Vanga. Yeah. Um, yeah, the one who committed suicide. She said that like she couldn't get rid of it. The entity was like, yeah. She had made that, a problem that for her. big of like an impression or lasting effect, if you will. Yeah. Right. Yeah. An ongoing effect. That's yeah. crazy. Okay. Because wow. it was like every day she was getting like visions from it and mm-hmm. getting like communications from it. But imagine. She was kind of tortured by it. Imagine using that to like if if it hadn't tortured her. As I, I mean, imagine all of that as a burst of just this. knowledge power everything all at once yeah it it would take a toll on you but imagine if that was used like and she was able to like harness it and like uh, imagine what they could have done or maybe what they could have found like it could have uncovered this ancient civilization you know like possibly see that's why um that's why i noted the experiences of these two participants because one of them was tortured by it, and the first Ellie Loganova, she has stayed connected to it, but she's like become like a crusader for it, yeah, almost like okay. to go back and, yeah. So two very different experiences. Oh, extremely connected to this. Extremely thing. different. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Awesome. It's it it it, it is still sad. Like I mean. You know, like, yeah, absolutely. Like you said, if she could have gotten to the point where she could harness that, like, just that power developing and, like, just that mindset knowing these things, I'm, I'm sure, like, man, you know, you know enough to really mess with you. Yeah. And you take that to, like, such a higher degree. It would be so overwhelming. It, extremely overwhelming. Right. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's. That's crazy. No, I get it. This poor girl was like tortured. Yeah. Literally tortured by it. Couldn't get rid of it. And, um, yeah. Unfortunately, she figured out a way to get rid of it. I mean, you know, it's understandable, right? It's like a, it's a classic, it's a classic story. We've we've seen that in a lot of, right. In a lot of different types of cases, you know, much similar, much different situations rather, but. You know. Yeah, even if you take like the the dry skeptic approach to mm-hmm. it, that I mean, this is like someone being driven mad by their own exactly. delusions, yep. their own hallucinations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, that happens frequently. Now, I know another another cool thing. I just want to bring this back. You know, kind of bring it yeah, back yeah. around. I don't. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, uh, you know, bring a little more less positive too. Yeah. yeah. So I know that after like, you know, they're, they're discovering these things, they're making their way, d- their ways down. Um, they're making calls and hearing like whispers on every call and things like that, which I yeah. thought was really cool. Um, yeah. and maybe it's not, but I thought it was really neat. <laughs> No, like um, it's cool because like the operators, the people who it it was their job to operate right. the landline, um, they hated the phones. Oh yeah, like I'm sure they would avoid them at all costs because every single call 
for two years. Yeah. Had these like creepy whispers going on in the background behind every call. And this is, I mean, well, this is, I, I guess this is what, what, what year essentially was this? I know we got into the nineties and yeah. 1990. So like, you know, I think uh, for some reason I'm drawn to like that, like back in, you know, way, way back when, when you had to literally call the operator to reach out to anyone. Right. So like, I mean, exactly. Yeah. Basically reaching out to a switchboard or a switchboard or a relay. Right. So I think of like that and I think of like them being like, all right, what now? Like, and there's, (laughs) so I know this is different though. You know, obviously it's different. They finally, they finally had the landline installed and everything, right? Um, so like, yeah, I just, it's just it's strange to me. Uh, and yeah, you know, I don't know. Sorry, I, I just had a funny idea. Like, what if they accidentally installed one of those '90s party lines? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they were hearing like the cobbler have a conversation with the fucking the dude across the village in the background while they were trying to do their official military business. No, but like yeah, that's another I, thing that's very. It's very Skinwalker Ranch to me. Right, yeah. Is these weird, like, ethereal voices in the yeah, phone calls. Exactly. It's it's very yeah. it's very weird. Um but I, I just I thought that was kinda neat. <laughs> yeah. It's no, it's cool. It's yeah. There are a ton of interviews. Unfortunately most of them are in Bulgarian. And, you know, yeah. it's hard to it's hard to get, I mean, the best tool we have for that is like Google Translate, and that's terrible. Yeah. It is not good. So, uh, kind of getting into some of these people. Like, we had, what, Traco and Elka Karova. Um, so, what, Traco was like spotlighted by this bright ass light, right? And then yeah. he was found 40 miles away, right? Yes. And the next then, morning, uh, Elka Kurova heard that sound, saw the three dark fig- figures making their yep. way from the military zone. She thought it was, you know, military. Like, what are they? Soldiers. What are they doing here? Like, didn't really think a whole lot of it. Yeah, but like, was like, yeah, it's kind of weird. And then she saw the bright light that appeared. Yeah. behind the no, what, they, behind the tree line, and then yeah, yeah. So the three shadowy figures walk across her backyard. They walk through the tree line and then a a white light just shoots up into the sky from where they would have been. Classic UFO. Yeah. I mean, there's some serious UFO stuff going on here. It's awesome. And that, yeah, of course that's where I'm going to lean, lean towards and keep going towards, you know, I mean, like even the next day, the, the military search team finds a triangular burnt burnt patch part of, of the area, ground right. where they would be. Yeah, that's that's the big thing to me. It was a triangular burnt patch of yes. area. It wasn't yep. just like this, you know, burnt patch. No, it was a triangular no. burnt patch of area, like yeah. very specific. Yeah, which screams craft to me. Oh yeah, obviously without a doubt. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then of course there were some people that like. Felt exhaustion and stuff like that. Yeah. Felt like, yeah, drained, like just constantly drained. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, 
which leans demonic for me. That's... Damn it. I know, talking about this, before we... Before hearing your story, you know? Yeah. I know, and I didn't know what I was prepared for, because I, I have not heard this story. I know you had mentioned, like, maybe demonic, maybe alien-esque, maybe, like... And so I'm thinking, like, is this going, you know, are we going to touch on ghosts? Are we going to touch on, like, a really dark presence? Are we going to touch on, like, this, like, demonic presence or, you know, whatever? Yeah. But, like, I didn't get demonic out of any of this. Really? Yeah. I really didn't. Following a tunnel toward the center of the earth and encountering... Something that burns people. An ancient giant. Or a demon. I, I, I like to go the demonic route, for sure, you know? I love that route because it's so twisted and sinister. <laughs> but, like, I don't get that out of this one. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Let me sell it to, let me sell it to you. All right. Let me buy it. Okay. Okay. So, on top of what I just said, where obviously it's like a subterranean domain where they encounter it right right presence which maybe it's just the westerner in me but subterranean always screams demonic to me right that's very westerner of you because that's of course you're going toward hell right that's yeah um but on top of that you have the shadow figures yeah true you have ghostly voices in the phone you have okay you have a big one for me is the two the two psychics who were involved yeah who are like one of them tormented the other one is fine that could just as easily be possession demonic possession could be that they're I, yeah. experiencing no, i'm not i'm not dismissing right? that i agree yeah where it's like tormenting them every day it's with them every day they're seeing visions they're having like this inner monologue, this inner dialogue going on in their mind where they feel like they're communicating with this being in their mind that, I mean, that could definitely be demonic possession. I, to me, it feels just as likely as extraterrestrial or ancient civilization or any of that. So that's my cell. I don't know if you're buying, but that's my cell. Well, this is my counter. Okay. So, first of all, let's start with the shadow figures. Those could literally be, I mean, any type of being. So, just just an inner an energy being, right? Okay. And we've heard tales of shadowy figures that can they can manifest and then literally disappear without a trace of anything. All right. And then talking about the voices on the phones, that could be a lot of interference. This would be a lot of like just interference, whether it be otherworldly or whatever else. Because I feel in this that this essentially rift was open. And then not only that, but we also have a lot of UFO activity. We have, you know, this kind of purpley trail and that all that all thing, right? Yeah. Um, so we have a lot of this going on. And look, I guess, look at the side of someone that knows, quote unquote, too much. Okay. So 
we I know we've both heard in stories where people have known too much and it's driven them to just honestly drive themselves mad because they feel like they know too much. It's something that they can't right. comprehend. Yeah. It's literally too much knowledge for exactly. them to hold. And it's 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 whether it be the way that civilization is going, the way that the world is going, the way that the world's going to end or whatever else, sure. you know, might, you know, might come into play. Maybe knowledge this is, of their own death. Exactly. And maybe this is what yeah. the, that psychic, maybe that's what she was dealing with. She was being constantly tormented with you know, just this, like the way that everything was going and she like was being yeah. shown all these images. So, and then we get into talking about a lot of like abduction abductions, right? Sure. Yeah. So I think of it kind of like that. Maybe, maybe I'm looking a little bit too much into it. I think it could honestly go both way, both ways. I mean, you said a lot of shit right there. Like where, where are you? Because it seems to me like you're straddled somewhere between interdimensional and this concept of like some ancient civilization. That's what's tough. That's what's tough. So I think of like, you know, these ancient giants and things like that. There are so many traces of ancient giants out there. Yeah. See, I wish I had thought of of this concept while I was researching the episode. It really never occurred to me until you brought it up. But... Um, I'll have to reach out to Jeff at Strangeology because he just did an insane series on ancient giants. It's like a three-part thing on ancient giants. So I'm I'm gonna check in with him and see if he has come across any like legends about ancient giants okay. from this area. Because I wonder. Yeah, I I love that. I love that concept. You know, being being this yeah. ancient giant. But this is where I tie in. This otherworldly thing too. He's like I said, I kind of touch back on these titans, these kind of essentially time traveling, if you will. Um, you know, traveling through rifts of time, traveling through dimensions. I mean, it's 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 all inclusive, essentially. Sure. I mean, that's an easy way to not pick a horse. <laughs> well, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. I mean, you know how we do our show. You don't have to pick a horse. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Like yeah. my favorite stories are the ones that end with, I don't know. Right? Yeah, for sure. Like, there's so much. Honestly, like I fell down a rabbit hole on this one that I was not expecting at first. This is the reason why I've been so like avoiding getting into Skinwalker Ranch because yeah. there are so many aspects to it, like. The only reason that the only reason that this story was why I felt comfortable doing this story in one episode is because it's kind of activity there aside from the group that visited about a decade later most of the bulk of this story takes place in about a 2 year span. Yeah. As opposed to covering Skinwalker Ranch when it's like 40 years worth of phenomena. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? So much that it's it's so hard to really dive into. But yeah. I just I want to retouch before we yeah, go for it. Go ahead. So what I was kind of getting into was again this ancient giant civilization, right? Then you have these titans, essentially these extraterrestrials, interstellar beings, essentially or interdimensional, or whatever you want to call them, because it can honestly be both. 
because or either exactly yeah you know they're gonna travel like i said whether it be interdimensionally through time whatever you know and coming back to like honestly bring this energy and maybe this is something that was set to happen years and years later to unleash this and then they happen to stumble upon it right like I said, I have a theory on the timekeepers, and I think it really ties into something like this. But I won't get into it for this. This is going to be an entire thing in itself. But, okay. Yeah. So that's that's where I kind of tie it, and that's why I think it's more almost it's a mix of the ancient civilization and also extraterrestrial, it's interdimensional, right. or interdimensional. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because you tend to kind of see extraterrestrial and interdimensional phenomenon as like one and the same. One and the same, exactly. Right. Yeah. Like, they're almost interchangeable. I because I you. think they can be. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you when you get down to like traveling across massive expanses of space, really the only way to do that that's even been theorized is this sort of like folding of space time. Exactly. Right. So that's essentially interdimensional travel. Yeah, and that's itself. also time travel at the same time. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See the big the big UFO theory is that this is essentially a buried spacecraft that this giant circular room that they break into is a buried spacecraft, extraterrestrial craft. I didn't think of that. And Yeah, and Basically, okay. when they when they break through to the tunnel itself, then maybe something like a rescue beacon, yeah, from the craft is finally able to get through. Basically, and get like triggered out. at that point, and yeah. yes, and that's when they start seeing all the UFOs coming down, and all this activity starts up is because they're you know the buried craft's rescue beacon was finally able to reach. You know, someone to hear them, that's, basically. That's actually pretty cool. I, yeah. I didn't even consider that. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, there are a ton of theories. Just like anything like this. Of course. Everyone who, everyone who reads the, you know, read does the research has a new theory. Has something to say. Or, you yeah. know, like... Right. And you added interdimensional timekeepers to the catalog. Yeah. Right? So... I tend to slay <laughs> in some odd ways sometimes. That's all right. That's yeah. I love it. I like this this concept of like the timekeepers. Is this like a? I know you don't have to get super into it because I think you're you're still fleshing. This it is out, a theory I've been working on for a long time. Uh, I actually is this kind of like a. Is this kind of like a unification theory, like something that may be behind all of this. Essentially, I started actually. Okay. I was planning on writing a novel, and then I actually started getting into game design, and I was going to develop a game kind of around like. This is kind of similar concept, but no, this is actually something I would like to expand upon quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, yeah, it'll be something, it'll be, I think it'll be something I continue to bring to light, but it's been something I've been working on for a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, it would be awesome if, you know, after 10 years of doing the show, we can look back and, like, see the progress of you building this, like, grand unification theory over, you know, over a decade. Yeah, that's cool. 
just just with where I'm at right now to explain a lot of things to an extent and it, you can buy it you cannot you know it, it sure. it's all it's all theoretical right as with all of this stuff exactly right? yeah 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 I'm into it awesome that's cool I'm personally I don't know where to go on this one it's, they it's every tough, every I avenue know. yeah every avenue feels equally appealing to me so right like that's, extraterrestrial that's interdimensional saying, you know, demonic i i kind of i kind of lean lean on that specific yeah you know. yeah well bud i think that's it just kind of leave it leave it open yeah all right I'd say I, so. i'm fine with that i mean sometimes you have to right yeah excellent i mean listeners if you have theories please let us know yes like we'd, we'd love to add to the pile of theories we have here yes hit us up on instagram twitter facebook like anything yeah let's talk Whatever about you it like. for sure absolutely also go check out our patreon because we're now releasing weekly episodes um a news show where we go over weird articles that we found on the internet and yes yeah, and lights out where we're reading like some of the scariest shit ever. It's an so, actual experience. Yeah, horror fiction at its finest. <laughs> <laughs> and that concludes episode 41, the Tsarichina Project. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. And if you want more, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. It's there you will find bonus content behind the scenes. We're just keeping up on our day to day and maybe some swag along the way. It is our way to show thanks for your support and do everything we can to provide you with as much content as possible. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. With that said, we want to get to know each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook at campfire T-O-T-S-A-U on Twitter and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And lastly, we do have our merch store. You can find the link available on all of our social media or via our link tree. Show your support. Buy a shirt. Buy a sticker. Buy a blanket. Buy a pillow. Anything that you want to rep campfire tales of the strange and unsettling and a special thanks to greg martin at reverent music on instagram the brilliant mind behind the gorgeous music that you hear each week behind the debrief so go find him at reverentmusic.bandcamp.com or you can visit his spotify page by searching reverent r-e-v-e-r-e-n-t all of these links can be found in the episode description go and support him you both deserve it. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and, and trust, trust in the, the unknown. unknown.